Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Hello and welcome to the Longhorn Country Podcast. My name is Adam Glick. I am your host, joined by Michael Gresser, my co-host. Mike, how are we doing on this fine Thursday afternoon? We're doing fantastic, Adam. It's media days. We're in the thick of it. That, that only means we're this much closer to football season. It's right around the corner once media days end, fall fall camp's going to start and I cannot be more excited. Yeah. And I am in that same boat, Mike, when big 12 media day hits, it just gets my excitement going. It means that football is one step closer after this week, big 12 media day. As you mentioned, we'll get into fall practices and start ramping up for the 2022 college football season, obviously a big season looming for the Texas Longhorns. And Mike, we kind of, let's kind of get started with the Texas Longhorns, some interesting things that have transpired over the last couple of days in Arlington, Texas at Big 12 Media Days. Um, let's start with the quarterback situation between Quinn Ewers and Hudson Carr, the battle. Um, there was an interesting quote that if you want to talk about at Big 12 Media Day. Yeah, so obviously the quarterback battle at Texas on every fan's mind. People want to know who's going to be their starting quarterback this year. Sarkeesian brought in Quinn Ewers, highly touted quarterback out of Ohio State, former number one overall player in his class. So the expectation for quite a while has been that Quinn Ewers would be the starting quarterback this fall, but that's not really how the team sees it. The team sees it as a pure battle between Card and Ewers. But Sarkeesian today gave the fans an indication that they're probably going to know who their starting quarterback is sooner rather than later. He was asked about who, what the battle is going to look like this fall. And in, in the quote, he said, he was asked, have a quarter has a decision been made at quarterback and he said quote no we haven't made a decision yet but I do think but I don't think it'll take as long as it took last fall so he's saying that fans are going to pretty know probably pretty soon the first couple weeks of fall camp who their starter is and a quote like this is a good indication of Sark probably knows who the starting quarterback is and if he knows that it's probably Quinn Ewers as we can assume from this quote it took a long time for 
fans to discover who was the starting quarterback last fall because it was a true battle in the fall camp. Sarkeesian really did not know who his starting quarterback was until that last week before uh, the Louisiana game. But this season, he probably has a better indication given Ewers' incredible talent. So we're probably going to know sooner rather than later. And I think what stood out to me from the quote was, it's important that we nailed down a starting quarterback Mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. And I think that was one of the problems that we ran into last year with Casey Thompson and Hudson Carr, the battle between them. And, you know, they were switching off games, whoever was doing better. We saw that in the Arkansas game. It's just, it's, it's really tough for a college football program to bounce back between quarterbacks Mm -hmm. in a year. And I think if Quinn Ewers can take the reins, like, we expect him to, it's going to really help this offense and they kind of know his schemes, his tendencies and really build around him. And I think we'll excel even more than last year on the offensive end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's better to know your quarterback early on so that the offense can really start to form around him. It's it's easier on the wide receivers, especially if they know who their starting quarterback is weeks before week one. So it's better for everybody, not just the fans to know who their starting quarterback is sooner rather than later. Yeah, and on that note, just as we get into this year, just there's so much that we have to discuss about the team, how they look, how different they are. I mean, Sark mentioned 35 new scholarship players on the roster, and seven of those are transfers, and 28 are freshmen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is incredible, incredible turnover within the program, and hopefully it's building something mm-hmm. for the future. So, I mean, Mike, what, what are you thinking about just all the – turnover in the program and hopefully can lead to success for us. Yeah, well, Sarkeesian talked about it right when the season ended last year. That roster turnover would have to be key if they were going to turn the page after last season. Last season, they had a bunch of guys that probably weren't all there mentally and what the coaching staff really wanted in their players. So this entire offseason, the theme has been roster turnover to kind of get rid of those players that weren't everything that really Texas needs. And that happened. A lot of the players have left the program and Sark has brought in some really quality players, not just quality football players, but quality humans as well that are really going to start to build this locker room. Yeah. And it's so important, not just that you get talented players, as you just said, but you get players that are bought in Mm -hmm. to the program, the philosophy, and they're good human beings Mm -hmm. on that's such an important note that kind of gets left behind in today's age. And we'll see if that helps the Texas program moving forward. And Bijan mentioned something in the big 12 media day when talking with the, the Bo Davis incident on the bus last year, after, after the Iowa state loss, It's about, he said, quote, it's just about weeding out that energy that we didn't need from last year to this year, end of quote. And that just shows that they're on a new path, they're on a new phase, and they're trying, Texas is, to build something that last year they had a lot of players that's still under the Herman era. And so Sark's trying to get rid of all that and now it's his team, it is his program and his future. So we'll see what this Texas team does in the year but on a sark note mike mm-hmm. just what are your thoughts about him at big Twelve media day and what is he trying to do you know for the future of this team well i mean sark's always super well spoken he doesn't give too much away at these press conferences yeah. you'll see from other coaches at big 12 media days that they do like to give a lot away like mike gundy like uh, brett venables in his uh, first big interview as a head coach of oklahoma sark doesn't like to give a lot away he's very kind of he likes to hold a lot of things back, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's good in a head coach. I mean, you don't want to 
tell the fans everything. You don't want to tell other teams everything. So, I mean, I, I was happy with Sark's uh, press conference. He kind of has been saying the same thing every press conference he's had this offseason. Um, I'd, I'd say the most notable thing he said today was certainly that uh, quarterback quote. Yeah, and speaking about how Sark is just turning it over compared to what Herman was doing, the I think a good point that we should talk about here is the offensive linemen in the recruiting cycle. Herman signed 14 offensive linemen in four recruiting cycles, so 14 in four years. You could argue on that. Not great. And then Sark, since he has been here in a year and a half of the recruiting cycles, he signed 11 offensive linemen, most notably Sadir Mitchell, the largest defensive line commitment in over two decades for Texas. Yes, yeah. So going back to his quote about needing big humans. Yeah. He, well, yeah. So Sark, Sark in his interview with Chris Del Conte when he was hired at Texas, he told Del Conte, we need bigger humans in our program and we need more of them. He noticed right when he got to Texas how big of a problem the offensive and defensive line were. And he knew that he had to address that, not just in uh, quantity, but also in just sheer mass because they were undersized. Mm-hmm. And when guys get injured, I mean, there wasn't much left behind them. So depth was a huge issue on the offensive and defensive line under Tom Herman. He did not address those uh, position groups very well. He was more about skilled positions and Sark has gone all in on the lines of scrimmage. And it has shown in these last two recruiting cycles, you mentioned Adam, he has received commitments from 11 offensive linemen in one and a half cycles. That's absolutely ridiculous. He he signed seven um, defensive linemen last cycle, all pretty talented players. And the most recent commitment Texas has received was Sadir Mitchell. And he is the largest defensive line commit in over two decades at Texas. So it's not just quantity, but sheer mass as well. And, and that was their philosophy when they were at Alabama. They, they just got the biggest humans they could, they, they could get. And also, I mean, you have to be able to move as a, as a yeah. big human. And the guys that Sark has gotten can certainly move as well. But mass is certainly important. And uh, the more you have of that, the better. And it's also just what people forget sometimes. The game is won at the line of it scrimmage, yep. defense and offensive line. And Texas has been kind of under the eight ball mm-hmm. the last couple of years, especially with Tom Herman's teams. They need to make sure they win the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. It's so important. And I think her, uh, excuse me, Coach Sark is doing that with the recruiting cycle. Yep. And, you know, it's not just about, as you mentioned, the big humans. It's about, you know, how well their hands are positioned mm-hmm. on the line, how well they get off blocks and yeah. stuff like that. So we'll see what this Texas team does on the offensive line and defensive line. But it's obviously a step forward mm-hmm. and something to be positive. about. Yeah. And like these guys, not all of them are going to have huge impacts in yeah. their freshman season. Like Texas signed the best offensive line class in the country a cycle ago. Some of these guys probably most of them are going to see action as freshmen, but you're not going to really see that true impact of these guys talent level probably until next season. Yeah. And I think that what people don't talk about in the big 12, there's some really talented offense and defensive line of scrimmages Mm -hmm. with some of these teams like TCU, Baylor, Baylor, Iowa state. I mean, these teams, they win the line of scrimmage and that's why they're consistently good programs that go to go to good bowl games. Yeah, and that, that's that's probably single handedly why Baylor won the Big 12 last mm-hmm. season is because they were so good on both lines of scrimmage. They didn't have the most talented guys at the skill positions really at all. But their offensive and defensive line were 
always consistent, very good. And that's how you win ball games. If, if you don't have good play up front there, you are going to drop games that you should mm-hmm. not be dropping. And that has been an issue at Texas the last decade. They might have some talented skill guys. And that is the case again this year, but when you can't, when you don't have good play up front, you're going to drop some games you shouldn't. Yeah. Be. And especially in the close games, that's the difference. Yeah, it is. is it you're getting blocks and you're getting time for your quarterback on offense or you're making big plays on defense? Mm-hmm. Always comes down to the line of scrimmage. So we'll see if Texas can improve in that category. But Coach Stark is at least addressing it big time in the portal and in the commitment aspect. So good to see for if you're a Texas Longhorn fan. Uh, let's kind of get into some of the key players mm-hmm. for Texas. And one of them that comes to mind has to be Roshan Johnson. Yeah. Uh, there's a quote. Um, I think from Coach Sark, yeah. yeah. So this is a quote. uh, Roshan Johnson is an alpha. That is just his personality, and it's not in a way that is negative. It is very positive. It's very uplifting, but it is demanding, end of quote. So what are your takeaways from that quote and just him? What does he need to do this year? Yeah, well, one of the storylines this offseason for Texas has been that it's clear Roshan Johnson is the undisputed leader of this Texas football program. Mm -hmm. And he's probably a leader that Texas has not had in a long, long time. They've had great leaders like, like Sam Ellinger, who if Texas doesn't have Sam, it's the Herman is probably a lot worse than it actually was. But Roshan is that leader that every team needs. He's not going to play every snap. Like he's not even a starter, but he is just so bought into this program and getting Texas back to where they need to be. So he has really taken it upon himself to lead the entire team. And it's been widely reported that anytime Roshan says anything, everybody on the team listens. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that he is the alpha, as Sark said, in the locker room. And um, there was a report this last week that Roshan has been leading um, involuntary Saturday workouts every Saturday this summer. And that's not something the coaches told him to do. And mm-hmm. so Roshan set up these Saturday workouts and he's got the whole team going to them. And that's what every team needs. One yep. of the biggest problems last year was as Bo Davis said, in his uh, on the bus was this has to be a player led team. It can't be a coach led team. Coach led teams do not succeed. Player led teams succeed once everyone's bought in. And that is what, Roshan is trying to do yeah and and especially especially in college sports you need player-led teams you need the players to buy in Mm -hmm. to what the coaches are trying to sell and trying to build and for Texas they've been missing that the last decade or so honestly they need to find that again and Roshan Johnson taking accountability on himself to become that leader that Mm -hmm. alpha guy is so important for this Texas team as they're trying to move forward and look ahead to this year in 2022 another name that Texas uh, that we have to mention, Mike, is DeMarvian Overshawn. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been all over the defense at safety, at linebacker. Uh, what's your takeaway on him, and what do, where could you expect him to maybe play this year for the Longhorns? Yeah, well, DeMarvian had some interesting quotes in his uh, player interview at Big 12 Media Days. He was asked about his role in the defense this year, and he said, quote, you can expect me to do everything on defense. And it's kind of been known this offseason that, DeMarvion is not going to be in a traditional linebacker role. He has been positioned as a traditional linebacker in the last few years, but that isn't really where his talent can flourish. He's not that comfortable being a traditional linebacker. He didn't play linebacker in high school. That's not what he was recruited to play, but he was moved to linebacker out of necessity um, in the Tom Herman era, and he has stayed in that role under Sarkeesian. But this season, 
to kind of put him in a situation where he's more comfortable. They're going to put him all over the field. You're going to see him off the edge. You might see him playing some defensive back. You'll see him as a linebacker. You'll see him all over the defense. He's not going to just be have one role. He's going to be put in a position where he can truly flourish because he did not succeed at a linebacker at all these last few years just because that's just not what his position is. So he's going to be all over the place as he discussed in his interview. Another interesting quote was he was asked about whether he's going to be playing off the edge this season. And he said, quote, that's something you can get used to me. That's something you can get used to seeing me do more often. And that is not only a product of DeMarvion uh, being played all over the field. That is also a product of the edge problems that Texas yeah, uh, might have. Um, when Texas missed out on Oshawn Mathis, it was kind of speculated that DeMarvion could be an, an option for Texas to use off the edge in a certain pack of situations. And he said today that you can uh, expect to see me do more of that. And so that is going to be an option this fall for Texas to hopefully get some pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. And then as you mentioned, just there's some holes in this defense Mm -hmm. still to be worked out. And I think Overshawn's going to try to be that utility guy where you can put him in any spot when you need him to make a big play in Texas. There's a lot of unknown and unproven from the guys on defense. So there's a lot of questions going into the year for sure for Texas and the foot on the defensive side of things in 2022, a name that might be taking a big role as it was mentioned in one of the quotes today, Mike was Baron Sorrell. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he's a freshman. Uh, he'll be a sophomore. He'll be a sophomore. Yeah. Excuse. Yeah. He'll be a sophomore, but he really, you know, hasn't really played with mm-hmm. the program. So he's going to have to take a big step. These guys are going to have to make a big plays, step up and, they're building something. We might not see the whole, you know, outlook positivity in 2022, but you're building towards the future. So who are some names that, you know, might be thinking to take some big steps on defense? This yeah. Year? Well, I'll talk about Baron Sorrell first. Mm-hmm. He is going to be a name that Texas fans need to keep an eye on. The specific quote that DeMarvion used about Sorrell was he has taken it upon himself to be that top edge defender that we need End quote. And the reason for that is because, as I said before, Texas is going to be looking for options to come off the edge, especially after they missed out on Oshan Mathis in the portal. Now, because they missed out on Oshan Mathis, Sorrell is going to be thrusted into that starting edge role probably a little bit earlier than he should be. He's still kind of a developmental player. He does have a, a pretty high ceiling, but he's pretty unproven. Uh-huh. And But now, because Texas is so thin at the edge position, he's probably going to be thrusted into that role a little earlier than expected. But DeMarvian is saying that Sorrell is one to watch, that he could actually stand out this season off the edge, and maybe he's a little further along than uh, people expected. So that will be exciting. Um, Another edge option that I'll mention quickly is Justice Finkley, the freshman edge rusher. He's another guy that is probably going to play a lot more than he probably would have if Texas had landed a guy like Oshawn Mathis. He's a true freshman, but he's built like an NFL player already. He is one of the strongest players on this Texas roster as a true freshman. So he's already ready to play. Mm -hmm. Um, He's going to play a lot this fall, a lot more than he probably should. 
but out of necessity, you're going to Texas fans are going to see him a lot for sure. Yeah, and that uh, commitment from O'Shawn Mathis still stings, right? It Mike? does. It stings. It stings every day, and uh, I know it's going to sting in the fall for sure. Yeah, it will sting for sure for t- Texas Longhorn fans. But they'll try to address that need, and we'll see what happens. Before we get into kind of the Big Twelve talk, just the conference in general, because there's a lot going on mm-hmm. within the conference. The a wide receiver I want to mention, Mike. Tariq Milton, the transfer from Iowa State, there was a quote, uh, Matt Campbell on this. uh, The quote was, speed is probably the number one strength that I would say he had. Honestly, my favorite part about Tariq isn't that he was just this incredible football player because he was he was and he made big plays for us, but really who he is as a human being. So that's a really good telling sign from Matt Campbell talking about Tariq Milton and We've talked about this off the show here. I mean, this Texas wide receiver core is mm. going to be really, really good. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great, Adam. And Tariq Millen's a, a name for Texas fan to watch. He's not going to be a guy that's probably going to put up huge numbers bearing injury to a, a guy like Jordan Whittington who will be ahead of him on the depth chart. But he's a guy that you every team needs in their locker room. He's a good human, as Matt Campbell mentioned. Texas trying to get more of these good humans in the locker room. And he's going to be that kind of insurance player for the Texas Longhorns. We've seen the last few years, Jordan Winnington, one of Texas' best receivers, has never played a full healthy season. And so you never want to, you, you can never predict injury, but given Jordan Winnington's injury history, it wouldn't be that crazy to think that he might go down at some point this season. And if he does, Tariq Millen's probably a guy that gets thrusted into a starting role and he's had a ton of production at Iowa state. He's a grad transfer. He was Mm -hmm. a, I believe a four-year starter at Iowa state. So he's had tons of experience. He'll be ready to go. If Jordan Winnington does go down So he's just, he's just a a smart pickup by Sarkeesian, a guy that you need in the locker room because God forbid if Jordan Winnington does go down, if we didn't, if Texas didn't get Tariq Milton, there probably is another option. Yeah. And that's one of the highest compliments I think, because Matt Campbell, the head coach of Iowa State, he's one of the most respected coaches in all of college football. Yeah. And for him to go out on Big 12 Media Day and talk about a Texas now, a Texas wide receiver, and say he's not just a great football player, but a great human being, yeah. I think it's a good telling sign. And hopefully for Texas fans, it will be positive moving forward. And as you mentioned, if they need him to play a bigger role, he can step into that role and yeah. succeed at that level. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, yeah. Mike, let's kind of shift gears here a little bit. I mean, we could talk about this, this Texas team forever, but there are other teams in the Big 12, I'm pretty aware. Yeah. Even with all this realignment, you wouldn't know at this point in time. But <laughs> here we are. The Big 12 new commissioner stepping in on August 1st, I believe, is the correct date. Yeah. Brett Yormark, I, he's had a lot of interesting quotes and philosophies compared to the past guy and Bob Bowlesby, mm-hmm. who's still going until August 1st. But The biggest thing I think that stood out to me, Mike, was he's open to realignment Mm -hmm. and he's not opposed if it helps out the conference that Texas and Oklahoma could leave earlier than that set 2025 date. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't surprised by his quote when he said, quote, there is no doubt the Big 12 is over business. I do think that would be something that the previous uh, Big 12 regime would have also said, given Mm -hmm. just the craziness that has gone on. The Big 12 wants to stay at the top. They don't want to fall behind to the SEC or the Big Ten. They're going to do what's in the best interest of themselves. And that quote is referring to probably some reports in the last uh, week or so about potentially adding some Pac-12 teams um, that 
the Big 12 is possibly in discussions to add. So not surprised there. We'll see that's that could happen really any day. Um, so we're, we're got to keep an eye there if the, if the Big 12 does, make, does decide to make moves um, adding teams. But the other quote about Texas and OU specifically that was very interesting to me was, uh, quote, I'm not against having negotiations that allow Texas and OU to leave for the SEC early but it's got to be in the best interest of the conference, obviously. That quote is a very different philosophy Sentiment, yeah, yeah. than what uh, Bob Bowlesby used to have. He, Bob Bowlesby always said, Texano, you are not leaving this conference until 2025. No questions asked. But um, new commissioner, Brett Yormack, seems to be a little bit more open to the idea of allowing Texas to leave for the SEC early if it is in the best interest of the conference. And best interest, interest means if Texas and OU will pay the money mm-hmm. needed to get out to all the member schools. So we'll see what happens there. A quote like this does give me a little bit more confidence that Texas and OU is probably in the SEC, not by 2025, but more likely 2024, um, if they can get the money situation worked out, buying out of the media rights agreement and whatnot. So we'll see what happens. That'll be something to keep an eye on, but definitely a, a staunch difference than what the previous Big 12 regime held. Yeah, and Yormack uh, here as in the, the Big 12 media days, he's been really open to just the forward progress mm-hmm. of the Big 12 expansion. He's also trying to sure up some TV deal rights yeah. with the Fox and ESPN, which I think expire in a few years as mm-hmm. well. So he's been just a completely different approach and attitude compared to the old per, old guy in charge and Bob Bowlesby. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting to see his perspective on all this. And like, I want to kind of just talk about as most people realize, but the food chain of the realignment in conference football and mm-hmm. the PAC 12 has become on the food chain, the lowest of the power yeah. five conferences. Definitely. And that's why I think moving forward, they're going to take teams like Oregon, yeah. maybe Arizona, Washington, mm-hmm. because that, is the food chain they're going to get worked up and then you're going to have maybe a a team like Boise state, San Diego state from the mountain West go to the PAC 12, but it's all a food chain in this conference realignment. And I would be a little skeptical to see how the PAC 12 moves forward Mm -hmm. in the future. And the problem is Mike has just been the results Mm -hmm. with that conference and football and basketball, the two biggest money-making sports, they have consistently been underwhelming yeah and i mean that's a fantastic point Adam. conference commissioners can do all they can to generate yeah. revenue but at the end of the day it's result it's results people aren't going to watch your conference if there's not exciting product to watch in basketball and in football you have to show proven results there hasn't been a pac-12 team that's made the college football playoff since like 2015 i think in washington so the, re- the results just aren't there and you saw that with ucla and usc joining the big 10 because there's just more opportunity. There's more opportunity for revenue. There's more opportunity for success. They know they're not going to make the money in the PAC 12 if they were to stay. And so that's what some of these other teams are considering right now, like Oregon and Washington, for example, they're going to wait to see what the revenue is like in the PAC 12 once the negotiations happen and finish. And then if the money isn't there, they're probably going to hop to the big 12 because the, the big 12, I know, it was about 46 million per year for each member school. And if that's a little bit more than what the PAC 12 is offering, 
then they're going to want to make that jump. And as we've uh, seen today, the Big 12 is very open to the idea of adding some schools like that. Yeah, and they're always just trying to build the product to make it better. And I mm-hmm. think adding those pack, a few of those Pac-12 schools like Oregon, I think it will enhance the Big 12 overall. And then honestly, it's sadly might be the downfall of the Pac-12, but it's just how this sport is kind of turning into. Yeah, and obviously like the Pac-12 is, is going to do what they can to – to salvage, yeah, to stay of course. alive. They'll, yeah. they'll, if, if there are more teams from the Pac-12 that move on, if some teams move to the Big 12, the Pac-12 will do what it can to expand, add some lower tier teams like probably Boise State, as you mentioned. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not going to be enough. It's not going to mm-hmm. compare in the slightest to what some other conferences are doing. And even if they can't expand, it might hold up for a few years, but it's, uh, it's not going to last much long, I can tell you that. Yeah, and quickly, we're going to, touch just a little bit on the Texas basketball. I just want to take one more jab at the Pac-12 because I like taking (laughs) jabs at the Pac-12. You can't lose to teams like Montana in Washington college football and then also Fresno State when they went up to Pasadena and beat UCLA. So, you you know, those losses hurt. And they, honestly, they carry over. You know, people don't forget about them. Uh, Certainly I didn't forget. I mean, like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. You, you mentioned a great point about uh, Montana, who, who beat Washington. Washington used to be a fantastic exactly. football program. Top and, 10 every yeah, year. And they just, it kind of seems like they've cared less and less as the years have gone on. So it's pretty unfortunate, and it has uh, hurt their program, and it's uh, hurt the conference as a whole for sure. Yeah, but a lot to look forward to if you're a Big 12 and Texas football fan, especially mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about that and a lot more as – the weeks get closer and closer to the football season, but big 12 media day is a step in the right direction to seeing football on Saturdays in the fall. Cannot wait a lot going on. Make sure to stay locked in to longhorncountry.com and to Twitter following guys like Brian Davis, who have been all over Texas sports Mm -hmm. uh, through the big 12 media days. But Mike quickly, before we wrap up the show here, it's been really productive. I've had a lot of fun talking about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But uh, Texas basketball today announced in the Jimmy V Classic they're playing the Illinois Fighting Illini. Um, just another big name of adding to that non-conference gauntlet of schedule that Texas, that was one of their weaker points last year and didn't really help out their seed. So another big opponent in Illinois. Just kind of your thoughts and maybe your excitement towards the basketball season. Oh, it's, I mean, it's probably going to be one of the best non-conference basketball games in the season next year. So I'm super pumped for that big stage. I believe it's being played in New York, correct? Yeah. Madison square garden, the world's famous arena. Yeah. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, If you got the money, I I would uh, highly recommend trying to fly out to that (laughs) game. I don't know if I will, but that'll be a fun game. Uh, Excited that they were able to schedule that big time stage game. Yeah. And uh, I saw a report today. They were trying to get Duke. They're playing Iowa in the other game of the Jimmy V classic, but they end up with Illinois. who's still a perennial top team in the big 10 every year. And obviously they make the tournament every single year uh, lost in round of 32 to Houston last year. They have that a famous non team anymore, but Kofi Coburn was the star player for Illinois, but it adds to they're non-conference Scotland, as I mentioned. They play Creighton at home, who's supposed to be a top-five team in Omaha this year. And then you have Gonzaga, who's a perennial top-five team every year, Final Four expectations. And you have Illinois on the schedule. And we're going to see if they get a non-conference early season tournament to add to this non-conference schedule. But things are looking up for Texas. They got a lot of good players, a lot of talent. So we'll see. But first, football will be 
back before basketball. So it will, it's coming, Mike. It, it's going to be a little bit. We're still in the dog days of summer here, but it is coming. Any last thoughts before we wrap up the show? I mean, it's coming at them, but I mean, when big, big 12 media days are here, you know, it's right around the corner. So I'm, I'm just super excited. I kind of had that thought last night. Like, wow. Like yeah, once, I mean, I, I love being immersed in like media days. And then once media days, then we're right in fall camp. So it's, a, it's an exciting time for sure. I can't believe we're almost there yet. Yeah, and whatever that song is, wake me up when September ends. Well, <laughs> wake me up when September starts. Yeah. I want Saturdays on my couch me watching too. college football. Yeah. So cannot wait for those days to transpire. But for myself, Adam Glick, for Michael Gresser, thank you so much for listening to the Longhorn Country Podcast, and we will see you next week for another episode. Have a great day and a great weekend, everybody.